All right, welcome to episode three of Celluloid Fever Dreams. As always, I'm your host, Wyndham Jennings. If, uh, <clears throat> if I sound a little rough this week, it's uh, because I'm getting over a slight sinus infection, kind of. Usually around this time every year, finally gets cold enough for oil heat to kick on. It seems like sinuses give me a little problems and my voice gets scratchy for a few days afterwards, so... Let me to apologize as we get started here. Uh, if you tuned in last week and you're joining us again this week, you know this week's film is For Your Height Only, a Filipino action film from the early 80s. In fact, uh, actually I want to, before we get started, make a few corrections about uh, what I said at the end of last week's episode when I was talking about the film. Uh, let's see, get my notes out here real quick. Uh, I think in the end of the last week's episode, I mentioned, uh, like I said, the name of the movie is For Your Height Only, or uh, it's also known as Dead Mission. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I think I said it came out in 1980. In fact, on IMDb, it's listed as 1979. However, uh, a little bit of research going a couple of places. Uh, actually, it was released on September 2nd, 1981 internationally few things that uh kind of back this up is the fact that the title play on for your eyes only which was released the same year and it was the 12th bond film it's the fifth one starring roger moore and according to some sources actually one of his favorite portrayals of the character uh, i also said that the title secret agent his code name was his code number sorry was a double oh three and a half and while there are a couple of movie posters that show that uh in the film he just released it he's just uh sorry just uh, called by the number double O, or by his character's name, Wing. So uh, apologies for that. And the uh, last thing, I think I said that he was around three, three and a half feet tall. And uh, no, he's actually uh, the, the actor, Ernesto De La Cruz, otherwise known professionally as Wing Wing, was actually two foot nine. Uh, to give you an idea, he's an inch taller than Vern Troyer who played Mini-Me in the Austin Power films, most famously. And uh, Wing Wing is actually the shortest leading man in an action film in film history. So, uh, yeah. So the uh, the tagline for the film, which I kind of like, uh, it's uh, bigger than Goldfinger's finger, bigger than Thunderball's dot, 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 dot. That's actually what it has on the poster. I'm not censoring myself because we're trying to be family friendly uh i gotta go on record i love this film this is actually one of my all-time favorite films uh and plot wise it's, it's just a almost by the numbers routine 80s action film but it's as, as i said in uh our first episode about psychic killer it's not the story itself is the way they tell it. It's what they do with it. And to me, that's that's really what makes this film a fun watch and, and something I go back to and I've watched again and again since I was first introduced to it by my friend Mike at uh, one of his bad movie parties. Uh, he put it in and it's just, uh, it's a film you sit and you watch and you think, how did this get made? It's like that kind of ridiculous. Um, the basic plot, as I said, our, our star is uh, Ernesto De La Cruz or as he's known uh, in the film and uh, professionally as Wing Wing, 
And uh, checking my notes. Give me a second. Okay, our plot is Dr. Kohler comes to the Philippines to offer their government his latest invention, the M the N bomb. N bomb. As soon as he's as soon as he steps off the plane, he's kidnapped by the syndicate, the local criminal organization, which is headed by the mysterious Mister Giant. The secret agency calls in their best agent, Agent 00, of course, to rescue Dr. Kohler. I, I, I honestly don't know, uh, because here's the thing. It, it, this is a, a dubbed film, obviously. The original uh, dialogue track was in the local language of Tagalog, but it's been lost. So the fact that the criminal organization is just the syndicate and that the... <laughs> Uh, top government agency is just the secret agency. I don't know if that's something from the original script or if that's something that was changed due to localization. So don't kill me because the the names aren't exactly uh, you know really uh, well done or pulpy enough. But anyway, uh, Agent Double O is called in, given his mission, given all sorts of little gadgets that are just like callbacks to. Uh, a lot of the James Bond films. In fact, the film itself is pretty much a, a shot for shot and a beat for beat telling of the James Bond films of this era. But it's done in the Philippines on probably like one one hundredth of the budget of one of the James Bond's films. So that to me makes it even more amazing to sit back and watch and, and to see all the little gadgets that he gets. He gets a, a ring that detects poison, a hat with a blade in the uh, brim, like odd job from the James Bond films. Except uh, Agent Double O's is remote controlled, so he can throw it and have it chase people and go around corners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, he gets a custom gun. He gets X-ray specs. Uh, later on in the film, he gets a jetpack, and they actually he actually flies it uh, in a, uh, a. Actually, I mean, for the time and, and given the budget, a pretty well done scene. I mean, I mean, you don't get you don't really see the wires or anything using to they're using to fly him across the uh, landscape but it's pretty fun but uh, anyway he's helped by irma who's a mole inside the syndicate who's working for the secret agency and as they try to get the money to build the bomb to help them take over the world and and get the materials they need to build the bombs well irma feeds agent double o information so he's constantly one step ahead of them thwarting their plans uh killing their henchmen killing some of the underbosses and things like that, basically stopping every attempt they make, which isn't much. I mean, uh, they show repeatedly that Dr. Kohler isn't really helping them in any way. They, they continually try to torture him and get him to tell more about the bomb, and he just keeps refusing. But the action in the film is actually really good. Uh, Wing Wing himself, uh, even before he got into film, had studied with a local... Uh, karate school and, and had achieved a black belt and then when he was hired for the film well not just this film but when he was first picked up uh hang on let me check my notes make sure i'm telling you the name right he caught the attention of producer peter Cabalis and uh, made his first film in 1976 but eddie nykart who was the head of the sos daredevils who was a premier stunt team and and a uh, action film stunt crew in the 70s and 80s in the Philippines for these type of movies, uh, also trained Ernest, Ernesto, or, or trained Wing Wing, uh, in the martial arts, in stage fighting, in stunt work. And in fact, 
Uh, throughout the film, one of the things I like about it is that Wing Wing does all of his own stunts. I mean, you'll see him, you know, leaping uh, up walls. You'll see him, uh, you know, do, doing everything that you would expect an action hero to do himself. And I know practically the, the uh, idea that he has to do all this himself is because he's two foot nine. And it's going to be really hard to find a stuntman who you can shoot. That actually looks like Wing Ling, but at the same time, the choreography of the fights and the shootouts and everything, it's done in a way that it's almost believable. You know, Wing Ling takes advantage of his size, of the fact that he can get into areas that other people can't, and things like that, and, you know, takes down guys much bigger than him. And it's kind of, on the one hand, yeah, it is really ridiculous to see this guy literally taking on four and five people who are literally double his size but at the same time the way it's shot and the, the way they do it it's kind of believable it's not that ridiculous and i really feel like that's one of the things i like about the film is all these action sequences and, and that they play into it and and uh, one of my favorite shots is he's escaping from an ambush in this uh, apartment building and one of the guys has a uh, a gun hidden in an umbrella wing wing takes him out and realizes that he can't take on the other people who are coming after him. And so he literally just uses the umbrella. And I, th- I literally, I, I, I'm going to quit saying literally, I swear. Uh, I think this is the only stunt that they used something else. Because it looks like a doll attached to an umbrella thrown out of a window as it floats down the side of this building. And yet it just seems to fit within the world of what they're doing and the story they're telling and it, it's just crazy crazy in all the best ways but uh eventually uh, irma gets found out they figure out there's a mole they uh take her to uh the hidden island which is where mr giant is and where they're holding dr kohler and uh wing wing doesn't know what he's supposed to do you know he, he's no longer getting fed information so he seduces several women including a nightclub owner and a reporter a criminal reporter tried to find out information about the syndicate and uh, and they play with that i mean I, I, i'm going to keep going back to this but the fact that the movie is played very straight in you, you know if you've seen a james bond movie especially from this era and you know he's the the world's best fighter world's best marksman seduces all the ladies wing wing is that agent double o is that and they just play it straight, you know, and they don't question that all the women want want to be with him. They don't question that he can take down all these guys. They make, you know, set it up and just everybody in the film and in the world just accepts that, no, he is this, you know, hard-hitting action star and, and uh, the world's greatest secret agent. And... Uh, it, it really does make the film a lot more enjoyable, especially considering the timeline it come out in. That there's no... In, in the localization, I was, I was really surprised to find out that there's only a couple of instances of anybody even remarking on Wing Wing's height. You know, it would be so easy, even now, if somebody was making a movie like this, for them to crack jokes about it or to point it out or to you know include sight gags or something that would play off of his size. And other than a couple of insults by a couple of henchmen, 
uh, about his height, and I think one line at the beginning where uh, Irma compares him to a potato, that he's literally small and cute like a potato, is literally the only instances that any that's even brought up. I mean, it, it's played perfectly. Like, like I said, it would uh, if you put anyone else in this role, it would just be a generic action film. But putting Wing Wing in it and playing it straight, it comes across as one of the best parody films of all time. And it's just ridiculous, and at the same time, just so brilliant to watch. Uh, but eventually, Agent Double O finds the hidden island, and in, in, uh, it, it's not really all that well hidden. He sort of walks to the beach, and you can see it like half a mile offshore. So, not really that hidden. I, I mean, I don't know how many islands there are in the Philippines. Maybe that's what it was. Is I just couldn't identify which specific one. But uh, that's where the jetpack comes in, and and you know to watch him flying across and and uh, landing, and once he lands, he calls in the rest of the secret agency to help back him up. And here's where a lot of the action falls apart because while the hand to hand sequences and and uh, and during this part a sword fight where Wing Wing takes on. Uh, three guys I think no two guys at once and then one guy later in a sword fight while all those are really well done and choreographed there uh the film doesn't really have good shootouts it's it's very much a uh shooting gallery like bad guys will pop up and you know they'll wing wing or or uh his boss the chief played by Tony uh Ferrer who hey a little bit of trivia or the uh, 60s and 70s before this film came out, he was uh, the Philippines version of James Bond. He starred in a series of uh, spy films. So to have him here playing Wing Wing's Chief is a nice little Easter egg for people who knew that. Uh, But, yeah, anytime it's just the bad guys show up, good guys will fire off a few shots, all the bad guys will scream and fall over. That's kind of a weak part for the movie in terms of action, in terms of, uh, you know, storytelling. I kind of wish... They could have done more with the gunfights, but given the budget, given uh, how quick the film was uh, made, you're, you're going to have some moments that uh, don't really match up. And, and I'm kind of glad they fo- focus more on the melee. But uh, after fighting his way through several henchmen, uh, Wing Wing encounters Mr. Giant, who is uh, about six inches taller than him. And they duel, and eventually, you know, and it, you know, this is the first challenge that Wing Wing has faced. I mean, you know, Mr. Giant is, is pretty much his equal in hand-to-hand, and kind of manhandles him and, and throws him around. But Wing Wing, me and the hero, eventually wins, uh, finds Dr. Kaiser, finds Irma. The two of them fight their way out of the, uh, the uh, bad guy's headquarters, making their way to the beach, trying to meet, meet the... Uh, the rest of the team so they can be extracted uh irma saves wing wing from a, an ambush that he doesn't see coming but unfortunately is shot by one of the henchmen herself and dies in wing wing's arms or or i mean more or less he's two foot nine he he holds her best he can and uh it, it's one of the corniest moments in the film as the doctor is standing there going she gave her life so that i could live so yeah I, I don't know but again 
beat for beat, this is a, a James Bond film. Just with a, you know, just with, with a wing wing in the cast. You know, just this little two foot nine guy doing everything that James Bond does and showing just how ridiculous some of these films can be. Even down to, you know, I believe it was the f- the film that came out before For Your Eyes Only or a couple earlier where Bond lost his the love of his life. So, you know, it's yet another beat that uh, comes from those films and comes from uh, these type of movies. But uh, let's talk a little bit more. That's, that's pretty much the film. Uh, I really like it. it. It's one that I wish was better known. It's one of those films that I've met a couple of people that have seen it. Uh, but more often than not, I'll, I'll tell people about it and I'll just get this, you know, incredulous look of, of it's a spy movie that stars who and what. And, and one of the reasons I wish it was better known is I hadn't found this on a streaming service. I had to actually uh, look it up on YouTube. And uh, somebody else I was talking to about it, they said it's on a site, uh, archive.org. I don't know if there's like a DVD of it. I don't know if there's, uh, I don't know if, you know, there's any other way to, to see it. I don't know if there's a way to rent it or whatever. And it's sad because the film is not very well preserved. Uh, I mean, the, the copy on YouTube you can tell it's from a VHS. You can tell it's from a well-worn VHS. I don't know what the, the one that you download through Archive looks like, obviously, because I hadn't seen that one. But it, it's, it, it's to me, it is an important part of film history, and there needs to be some way to preserve it. There needs to be some way for other people to see this because it is, I mean, it, let's be honest, it's, Shot on a, a almost no budget. It was shot in just a few days on uh, the equipment they had at hand. So it's not the best looking film to begin with. It's not the best film of all time, but it is still a film that I feel like is important because of the time, because of the fact they played it so straight, because with what they had to work with, they still produced a really entertaining film. And so much of it has been lost. Uh, Wing Wing did several films from 1976 to 1987. He, he appeared in uh, a bunch of films, a lot of action films. In fact, this movie is the second one with Agent 00 in it. In uh, May of 1981, the first film was released. It was Agent 00. And it has been lost to time. There does not exist uh, anywhere that anybody knows of a copy of it anymore. Several of his other films uh, have also been lost to time, either stored improperly or uh, just misplaced. Or uh, in one case, it was uh, they actually found a copy, and when they tried to play it, the film literally disintegrated as it was as they tried to play it, so it fell apart. And so this is one of the few films left of wing wing and uh it, it deserves to be preserved it deserves to be and, and let me make another another uh, another argument for why this is like i said may may 81 is agent double september as i said before is when this one was released so 
what is that? May, June, July, August. What, three months later, they had shot and edited and everything a film. And there does not exist the original language track for it anymore. It has been lost forever to time. This same year, Imelda Marcos, wife of Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos, put together the Manila International Film Festival. This was supposed to be a uh, festival, and it actually had several uh, American celebrities show up in order to show showcase Filipino pop culture and their films and show that they can you know, have a broader appeal. Wing Wing made several appearances over the course of it, and this movie, For Your Height Only, sold for higher than any other film at the festival. To this day, according to... Uh, According to several sources, it remains the biggest box office, international box office film ever produced in the Philippines. And in some countries, it actually played at number one for a couple of weeks upon release. And Wing Wing, to this day, remains one of the biggest international stars the Philippines has ever produced. And yet, the majority of the world knows nothing about him. And yeah, because of that, because there's so little left of him. I mean, like the first movie is gone. The track for this one is gone forever. The uh, one that come after it, The Impossible Kid, I believe. The audio track for it, if my research is right, has been gone forever. And so much of it is gone that, you know, this, this little film company. In the 70s and 80s, the Philippines produced a ton of action films and horror films. And, uh, and if you want to know more about that, there's an excellent documentary called uh, Machete, Machete Maidens Unleashed, which came out in 2010, which uh, can give you a lot of background on this period in, in a Filipino film history and includes a section on Wing Wing. That, you know, this is a very important film from that era, and it deserves wider attention. It deserves more love. It deserves to be preserved so that future generations can experience it and, and learn to love it the way that you know so many people have over the years but uh wing wing himself like i said he wor- he was uh, born in 1957 he suffered from primordial dwarfism and i'm just going to give you guys the cliff notes if you really want to know about wing wing after seeing the film uh there is a book and a documentary called the search for wing wing that goes into uh, more details about his life but again i'm just Kind of give you a little cliff notes, give you a little more idea of uh, who he was and, and uh, you know, how he got into this and, and uh, what happened to him. But, uh, yeah, born in 1957, uh, diagnosed with primordial dwarfism. His, like I said, his, his uh, adult height was two foot nine. In fact, his brother's on record as saying that when he was born, he was no bigger than a Coke bottle. And uh, his parents that weren't very well off so they actually again according to the brother uh, built an incubator out of a cardboard box and a naked light bulb in order to keep him warm because he was born prematurely Uh, his survival his mother seen as as a miracle and so for several years he played santa nino in the annual and i hope i'm pronouncing this right uh block festival a catholic festival uh, he loved action films, neighbors, and, and uh, family members said that you know, he was fearless. He'd climb clotheslines. He did acrobats. Uh, his mother got him into a karate class. In fact, the uh, teacher of the class would use him in demonstrations to show you know, just how well he could fight, how well 
uh, his skills were, and that's where he att- attracted the attention of uh, producer Peter Cabalas. Uh, he's the one who also gave him the nickname Wing Wing. His first film was 1976. It was a comedy, but uh, after that, he did several action films, several action roles. Uh, 1982 was his last appearance as Double O. Uh, July 23rd was when Impossible Kid came out. Uh, after that, it was hard for him to find work. Uh, his last public appearance, he received a achievement trophy from the Starlight Cultural Foundation. Hope I'm pronouncing this right. The Starlight Cultural Foundation Pasig Cultural Affair for International Action Stars of Showbiz World in 1986. Uh, he did make a, a small appearance at a Ferdinand Marcos election rally as well. But uh, after that, uh, Peter Cabalas, who was the man who started his career and, and he appeared in all the all his appearances were in those films, uh, retired in 1987. And after that, now there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of legend. In fact, part of the search for Wing Wing is trying to, you know, get her past some of this and figure out what what happened to him. Uh, in my research, uh, I learned that for a while he actually. <laughs> Actually, uh, worked at the worked at one of the airports as security, complete with a gun, uniform, everything, kind of like an unofficial welcome committee. Uh, but after a while, he, you know, left that job, returned back home to live with his family. Uh, sadly, in 1990, he suffered a stroke that left him paralyzed on one side and left him completely in the care of his family. And according to his brother, he uh, passed away from a heart attack in 1992. So. You know, since then, however, uh, thanks to, you know, video and video stores and, and uh, people like me who love these kind of films, he's gotten kind of a cult status among certain people that he, you know, kind of a resurgence, you know, but for uh, a while in the Philippines, he was their biggest star. But now since his death, since this time, he's started to get more and more known among lovers of weird films, odd films people like listen to this podcast, people like me, and he does need to be better known. He, he does, he does need to have his place of importance in these type of films. You know, the, this isn't the, as I've said, this isn't the best film, but it's an important film. It's an entertaining film. You know, as I said, said uh, last week from the Bruce Campbell quote, if you can't make a good film, make an entertaining film. And this is a very entertaining film. It's one that I recommend highly if you love unusual films. It's one that I, uh, I, you know, like I said, I've watched several times. I'll probably watch it again in the future. It's got good action sequences. It's, it, it's just completely, absolutely absurd. And a film that probably couldn't get made today and and even despite the low quality of everything about it is still a fun watch a good way to waste a couple hours and definitely something that you're not going to see ever again well i mean until you rent the impossible kid but this one's better this one's a much better film in my opinion so uh that's it for this week it was kind of a shorter episode uh again because of the throat thing. But uh, if you like what you heard, uh, 
well, you know, tell a friend. If you didn't, well, tell an enemy. Either way, go to wherever you got this podcast from and leave a review. The better, more reviews I get, well, the more people hear about this and so on and so forth. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at Sea Fever Dreams. Or you can go to Instagram or Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Both of them are uh, Celluloid Fever Dreams. And, uh, you know, drop a line if there's something you think I should have covered better. If there's something that I got wrong, let me know. If there's a film you'd like to see me talk about, well, let me know. If there's just, you know, something you want to say, get off your chest about this film or about some other film or about what I'm doing, let me know. You can also uh, email me at uh, cellul- celluloidfeverdreams at gmail. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get it spelt correctly, so it's S-E-L-L-Y-O-U-L-O-I-D, Fever Dreams. But uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I hope to see you here again next week. And until then, well, sit down, find a good movie to watch, and enjoy yourselves. Thank you. <laughs>